Welcome to the Weekly Word from St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Farmersville, Ohio. Good morning! Welcome to everyone to worship this morning, and a special welcome to all of our visitors and guests who are here with us this morning, as well as to everyone joining us by video and podcast. The Salem Lutheran Church women have invited our women to their summer splash, which will be on Thursday, July 14th at 6.30 p.m. Please RSVP by this Friday, July 8th, to Ruth Ann Oldfather if you are interested in going. Her number is listed in the bulletin. Our ice cream social is coming back. Join us for food and fellowship on, um, on Sunday, August 21st, from 11 to 1 after the worship service. The event is also open to the whole community, so invite your friends and neighbors. We are also in need of donations of food and drink. There is a sign-up sheet on, on the back table, and thank you in advance for your willingness to donate to make this a success. Also, we will be having a planning meeting on Sunday, July 31st, after the worship service, and we are still in need of someone to head up the planning committee. Please talk to me if you are interested. The other announcements I leave to your own reading. Are there any other announcements for this morning? Let us begin with prayer. O Lord, our Maker, Redeemer, and Comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We ask you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that through the preaching of your word we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. of priests to bear witness to the gospel. Enable us to be faithful to our calling, to make known your promises to all the world. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated as we continue with the readings. The first reading is from the second chapter of Samuel, or second Samuel, chapter 11, verse 26, through chapter 12, verse 10, pound on 487 of your pew Bible. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food 
drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite from with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. The second reading is from, second Galatian, from Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, found on page 1811 of your Pew Bible. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that, the, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it, then, that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ, and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. If, while we seek to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. For though the law I... For, for the, through the law I died to the law that, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Here ends the readings.
The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the seventh chapter, beginning at the 36th verse. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters, grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today on the Sunday of the 4th of July weekend, there are doubtless going to be many sermons preached that will be talking about either how great America is or what's wrong with America. In the latter case, there will probably be a lot of sermons that are going to try to point out specific sins that, in the preacher's opinion, are leading America astray. Such sermons are also going to try to call out specific people or groups of people for bringing judgment on America or even outright blame certain people for the problems and struggles we are f currently facing as a society. The problem, first of all, we already have too much division in our society right now. We already have enough judgment going on with people blaming the other side, whatever the other side may be, for what the problems we're facing right now are. The other problem, in doing so, we, have, we set up a situation where there have to be winners and losers. One group has to be good, the other has to be evil. That may be how we want to see things, but as we hear in today's Bible readings, that is certainly not how God sees things. As Christians, we want to be able to see things how God sees them, because that is the true way. And in order to speak on God's behalf, and speak the words he wants to speak to everyone else. We have to be able to see things as he sees them. In today's Old Testament reading, which Deborah read for us just a few moments ago, we hear the story of what happens to David 
after he lusts after Bathsheba and arranges for her husband, Uriah the Hittite, to be killed so he can take her for himself. David is certainly remembered as being the most righteous king of Israel, but he is in no way perfect. And in this case, he forgets that God has given him more than he could possibly have expected, including being given King Saul's wives. God sends Nathan the prophet to tell a story about two men, one a rich man having lots of lambs, but taking the lamb of another poor man to feed a guest. David, still being a king who desires justice, is angered by the story and demands that the rich man face justice for what he has done to hurt the poor man. Nathan then gives, a very, uh, um, then gives an unexpected twist and an unexpected response. He tells David, you are the man. In other words, the very thing David is condemning the rich man for is the very thing he himself has done. However, before we start blaming David for his foolishness, we have to remember that we ourselves, very often, with, um, that, that with ourselves very often, there have been times when we have, when we have been responsible for the very thing we have blamed another person for. We frequently want to blame the other person without taking responsibility for our part in the relationship. We forget that if we point a finger at someone, how many fingers are there pointing back at us? Three, exactly. This is especially something our whole country needs to hear. That even though we may want to blame whoever we think is being the other side for our problems, we are just as responsible for bringing problems on ourselves. There are consequences for how we treat other people, which is ultimately what sin is. Sinning against another person means mistreating them, and there are consequences when we mistreat other people. Relationships especially get damaged, and mistrust between people happens. God especially points this out to David. Because of what he has done, because of what he has done to Uriah, David will continually face violence in his family from this point on. But not everything is completely hopeless. God is still gracious, and he is still merciful. Even though David has done this, he will still not be overthrown. Later on, his sons Absalom and Adonijah will attempt to usurp his throne and put themselves as king in his place. But God still shows grace and preserves David's position. He restores David to the position he has for him, especially after Absalom briefly succeeds in overthrowing his father. God brings David back and restores him to his kingship. God does this because he has an ultimate plan he is going to cause the Savior of the whole world, Jesus Christ, to be born from David's royal line and family. So God does not even let one misstep by David get in the way of what he has planned, which means that not all is lost for us either. God is still preserving us, and he is giving us an opportunity to make things right. In the same way, that God had an ultimate plan for salvation, which he worked through David. 
God still has a plan and a great destiny for America. He called us into being as a nation a little over 200 years ago to be a place where people could come to experience freedom from oppression and tyranny and free to be themselves. Even though we have certainly not been perfect, and during our history, we have at different times engaged in slavery, discrimination, and segregation, the purpose on which we were founded has continued to remain the same. Many people have benefited from the freedoms we have offered, have come to this country seeking a better life, and have been able to find it because of the opportunities we have been able to give. We have also, as a country, been able to make things better for people in other parts of the world. But we always have to remember that the reason we have been able to do so is not because of our abilities or efforts, but because God has given us the ability to do so. If we as a nation keep remembering God and we keep asking him to help us overcome our divisions, heal the hurts we have done to each other and have been done to us, and free us from the consequences from, of all the ways we have mistreated each other, we will, be carry out, we will be able to carry out the purpose he has given us in even greater ways than before. But we also have to repent. That is, look at the ways we have treated other people badly, ask to be forgiven, and turn away from whatever has caused us to sin against another person. That is what Paul encourages in today's second reading from Galatians. And here, we have to make one thing clear, as Paul does. Even though God gives us a lot of freedom, that doesn't mean he permits everything. He, wants, he does want us to, give, to live a good life, and he also wants us to help others live a good life. Anything that keeps us from doing so is something he doesn't allow. Also, if we have been freed from a sinful habit, especially one that has caused us to abuse ourselves or treat another person badly in any way, then we are to leave it behind and get rid of it. In one of my personal favorite passages, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who we used to be no longer exists because who we used to be has been crucified with Jesus. We are now new people, a new person, and we can move forward to the new and better life God offers us. Simple as it sounds, the best way to avoid consequences for sinning is to get rid of the sin that is causing those consequences. Again, to let it die. And that is true freedom. Being free from sins, which cause us to damage and break relationships with ourselves and others. 
It means letting God restore us to where we need to be in life. It also means to recognize that forgiveness of our sins can only come through what Jesus has done on the cross. Only by his sacrifice, all our sins, everything we have done, and everything others have done to us have been forgiven. Nothing we do, no following of rules or laws, can earn us being forgiven. We are already forgiven. We have already been restored. And because we are already forgiven and restored, we can recognize that God has already forgiven and restored other people, even those we don't think deserve to be. In today's Gospel reading, Jesus tells a woman who is probably a prostitute that her sins are forgiven. Now, he doesn't make her go through some sort of long restoration process. And he doesn't even demand that she show any kind of change right away. Instead, he just tells her she is forgiven. How can he do that? He is Jesus. He is God. And he has the right to just simply forgive sins instantly. This angers many of the people at the meal Jesus is at, including Simon, his host. Simon is a Pharisee, someone who believes that strict obedience to the commandments is necessary to be considered a believer. But think about this. Like Simon, we also sometimes have a tendency to say, if God knew what kind of person this really is, and insist that someone doesn't deserve to be blessed because we disagree with them for any reason. It's hard for us to imagine God could love and accept someone just as much as he does us. We actually say this more than we realize. We say, if God knew what kind of person this really is, he wouldn't allow this person to be blessed. He wouldn't love this person. We actually, um, and, and this is called envy or jealousy. We think that someone deserves to be punished for who they are or what they have done, and we might even ask God to punish them. We want to exact vengeance on those whom we believe have done wrong on the, and on those we think have wronged us. We want to judge. But as with David, we are to recognize that not only are we guilty of the same things we blame other people for, but that others are just as equally loved, forgiven, and accepted by God as we are. We are to ask for God's help in overcoming envy and jealousy, and instead see others as he sees them, the same way he sees us, as people he loves equally in need of his help. What all this shows is that ultimately, judgment belongs only to God. It does not belong to us. What God wants us to do today is not to judge or blame any longer, but to restore what has been broken. Where we have damaged our own lives, we are to ask for God's help in removing the sin that has caused the damage. Where we have mistreated other people and have wronged them in any way, whether they are family members, 
friends or neighbors. We are to try to restore broken relationships by recognizing our part in the relationship being broken, apologizing, asking for forgiveness, and working to move forward with restoring the relationship. If we want America to be unified and at peace again, it has to begin with us. We have to be pursuing relationships again, a relationship with God and loving relationships with each other. Instead of words of blame, we are to be speaking words of support. Like Jesus, we are to speak comforting words of forgiveness and acceptance to other people. True words that come from God. If we are to be one nation under God, then let us be restored. Restored to live in forgiveness and peace with each other once again. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. together let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, 
creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, we will receive the offering. We wish to let our visitors and guests know that you are under no obligation to give. This service is our gift to you. United in Christ and guided by the Spirit, we pray for the church, the creation, and all in need. Lord of the harvest, you send your church into the world to proclaim Christ's new creation to all. Renew the church as it carries out your mission of peace and healing. We pray for missionaries who accompany your people. Lord, in your mercy. Bless the leaders of our land that we may be a people at peace among ourselves and a blessing to other nations of the earth. We commend our nation to your merciful care, that we may live securely in peace and be guided by your providence. Give all in authority the wisdom and strength to know your will and to do it. Help them to remember that they are called to serve the people as lovers of truth and justice. We especially pray for Joe, our president, Mike, our governor, and all who hold elected and appointed offices in our communities. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah. 
You desire abundant life for all. Guide our people by your spirit to go forward in justice and freedom. Give us what outward prosperity may be your will, but above all things, give us faith in you that our nation may bring glory to your name and blessings to all people. As we celebrate Independence Day, instill in us gratitude, generosity, and persistence in working toward freedom for all people. Lord, in your mercy, you care for all people in need. Nourish those who are hungry. Restore employment to those who have lost work. Heal those who are sick and comfort all who are dying or grieving, especially those whom we name silently in our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, we remember the saints who proclaimed your kingdom on earth and now rest in you. Make us faithful in our witness to Christ's new creation. Lord, in your mercy, into your hands, O Lord, we commend ourselves and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. To subscribe to the Weekly Word, please visit your favorite podcast provider. May God bless you now and always.